Hello to you and welcome to the CPO Strategy Podcast, the place to be to scratch that procurement itch. I'm Sean Gallia-Parch and today I'm joined by Simon Watson, Vice President of Visio Consulting. Today we'll talk about the changing procurement landscape and how leadership styles are evolving to keep up with the pace of technology. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the CPO Strategy Podcast. The dedicated procurement podcast brought to you by CPO Strategy Magazine that delivers valuable C-level perspective into the core issues surrounding procurement transformation, digitalization, sustainability, talent, the procure tech ecosystem, and more. Each episode delivers powerful and inspiring insight from those who are leading transformation strategies within the world's biggest and best-known companies. The CPO Strategy Podcast. Disrupt. Transform. Evolve. The, you know, the one word answer as to how I came into procurement was just accidental. Um, I think a lot of people have that answer. I mean, in terms of my background, um, I studied maths at, at university with a with a year abroad um, in, in France, uh, where I kind of got my languages um, up to a, a decent standard. And then after that, I was looking to apply for various different roles and, and jobs. I, I applied to a lot of roles in the, in the civil service at the time which is what a lot of my friends were doing at university. Um, I didn't have a huge amount of success there. Um, I was also applying to some of the graduate programs that some of the you know, bigger corporate firms were, uh, were running. Um, and uh, again, didn't have a huge amount of success there either, but actually one of the companies um, where I didn't quite make it onto the program, they did um, come to me afterwards and say, well, actually, uh, although you know, we, we don't think you'd be a great fit for the, for the graduate program, we've got a role in the supply chain team. Um, and, and we think you know, your skill set is, is better matched there. Um, so after quite a few rejections, it was quite nice to have an offer. Um, and so I kind of jumped at the chance really um, and joined a, uh, it's a big uh, plumbing and heating merchants uh, based in the UK, but it had global operations. Um, and I worked in that supply chain team for kind of two and a half years. Um, uh, and although it was called supply chain, a lot of the work I was doing was was procurement, negotiating with suppliers. Um, and uh, that's kind of really how I learned about procurement and, and went into it. Um, and then it was after that stint there that I discovered um, consulting, um, joined a, a kind of boutique procurement consultancy um, and I'm on to my third consultancy now. I've um, uh, been at this one for eight years, extremely happy. Um, and, uh, you know, I think in terms of why I've stayed in procurement, I think what I've learned over the years about one of the success factors in, in procurement is, is being able to work cross-functionally. Um, you know, procurement doesn't own any of the spend, really, that it is um, responsible for helping to optimise. Um, and so it has to work with other functions and the spend owners. Um, and I quite like the people side of, of that. Um, you know, the, the sort of building relationships, almost kind of selling internally, um, bringing teams together. Um, that sort of really appeals to me. And I've, I've been very happy in procurement ever since. As we move into exploring procurement today in 2023, it's fair to say that the space is filled with challenges and complexities unlike any other. They were pretty unimaginable even just 10 years ago. You only need to look at the last few years. Covid, a war in Ukraine, inflation and now many facing a recession. It's been a pretty turbulent time for those in the industry. But is there room for optimism? Simon gives us his thoughts on how leaders can come out the other side and seek opportunities despite the turbulent times. 
yeah look i mean i would flip it around and say that th these are not so much challenges uh rather opportunities for procurement i mean when i started you know my career sort of 18 or so years ago um you know procurement was often fighting to get a voice there were often complaints that you know procurement was not represented at the top table um you know what procurement was trying to push was not always on the the radar of the c-suite um but the, you know the things you've just mentioned there sean you know the war in ukraine inflation covid um you, know, you could add esg to the mix there as well you know these are things which are on the c-suite agenda front and center um, and procurement is ideally positioned uh, to to help companies um, to 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 you know to, to face those challenges, um, you know a lot of if you think about you know COVID and, and the war in Ukraine that that's all impacting the supply chain, um, which procurement is ideally positioned to uh, to help with. Uh, if you look at inflation, you know that's supplier you know price increases coming through. How do you deal with that? Again, it's 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 working with suppliers and the business. Um, and then with ESG, you know, a lot of a lot of companies uh, depends a bit on the industry, but a lot of companies, their their biggest sort of ESG footprint is in their supply chain. Um, and so procurement is in a privileged position, really. And I think it's it's done a lot to catapult um, the opportunity of procurement. Um, it's interesting. I spoke to uh, CPO about a year or two ago um, and he was saying that. You know, he'd been trying to get time with his CEO for a couple of years, and he'd now met him three times in the last two months. Yeah, just just be, just because of these these issues that are now on the C-suite agenda and, and radar. Um, you know, I, I see I see some procurement functions that prefer to do what they've always done. Um, you know, which is kind of focus a bit more on process um, and uh, you know more of kind of transactional side of things. But there are there are also many. Um, forward-thinking CPOs, uh, you know, procurement professionals out there, um, and they really have, you know, seized this opportunity to to be on the C-suite agenda um, and drive the thinking uh, and the solutioning to some of these big challenges that we're seeing. Um, you know, digital transformation is very difficult, and I think we have to recognise as well that there are some real trailblazers out there. There are some firms doing some fantastic things in digital. They've, they've you know, they've used and leveraged technology along with um you know people uh to really kind of produce better outcomes but i think if you if you kind of contrast let's say you know your experience <clears throat> as an individual when you're buying something you know in your private life um it's it's really very easy these days uh, much easier than it was 20 years ago um you know you can you can get access to a wealth of pre-sourced things whatever you might be buying whether it's uh, whether it's food, whether it's a holiday, whether it's whether it's a car, whether whether it's any book, um, you know, you can see reviews of what other people uh, think of these things. Um, you know, it's it's a it's a much easier, uh, a more kind of streamlined process to buy something in your in your personal life than it was um, a couple of decades ago. Um, but you know, when you go into your workplace as a business user and you want to buy something, um, it doesn't quite work like that yet. Um, you know, you often have to fill in um, a form, um, you know, you have to send it off, you know, to a, to a procurement function, you have to wait for them to come back to you. Um, you know, they might come back uh, a little bit later than you were hoping, they might tell you that actually they don't have that um, part on the supply framework, so they're going to have to go and run, a, run an event. Um, and, you know, I think people sometimes get confused about how it can be so easy to buy something as large as a, you know, a car or a holiday 
on their sofa at home. Um, but when they want to buy something, just a widget at work, it seems to be quite cumbersome. And, you know, I think digital can help a lot with that and will help a lot with that going forwards. Um, but, it, but it is incumbent on organizations and procurement functions in particular to figure out how, how to kind of recreate that sort of customer experience um, that we've become accustomed to in our, in our private lives. So, you know, there has been a lot of talk about digital uh, in the last few years, uh, and rightly so, it, it is the future. Um, but I think it's, you know, the corporate world still has a bit of catching up to do, uh, you know, when we contrast that with what we do in our, our private lives. With the new generation of leaders growing up with today's cutting edge technology, some might say that it could act as a key driver in helping to speed the adoption and procurement along. Simon agrees at this point and believes it's acting as an enabler for those in the industry to speed up its adoption in procurement along. Yeah, no, I, I do. I, I agree with your, your, the point which I think you're making, which is that, you know, we've got a, a new generation coming through now that have grown up um, used to a lot more technology. And I do think that will act as a catalyst uh, or one of the catalysts for further transformation, digital transformation in organisations. Um, and I actually think it will have to, um, because I think if, if procurement does not manage to kind of recreate a little bit more that that customer experience that the new generation expect, then I, I don't expect that they will want to use procurement going forwards and they will bypass procurement. Um, you know, the analogy that I've sometimes used uh, in, in this case is one of travel agents. Um, you know, I remember growing up as a kid kind of 25 years ago now, um, and I was lucky enough, you know, my parents uh, uh, were able to, you know, uh, take us on holiday once or twice a year. And I remember the process of going to uh, book a holiday. We, you know, we'd walk into the town centre to the travel agent, um, you know, we'd, we'd have a look at some of the brochures there. Um, we'd then ask the travel agent a few questions. They, you know, they often then had to phone the various, I don't know, airlines or resorts on our behalf. Um, you know, they, they might not be able to get through, so we'd kind of have to come back the next day. Um, we'd then, you know, have a few decisions to make. And, you know, I remember as a kid being quite excited by the whole process, but actually thinking back, it was quite cumbersome. Um, you compare that to where we are now. Um, with, you know, being able to review everything online, more or less, um, you know, you can you can get instant answers to your questions in terms of availability, in terms of pricing, in terms of options. Um, and, you know, it's, it's not a coincidence that the travel agents don't really exist anymore. Um, you know, you will find one or two, but they tend to be catering for a very specific type of individual or a very specific type of trip but in in general travel agents you know have disappeared largely from our high streets and that's because people don't need to go to them anymore um, and I think procurement you know can learn a few lessons there um, because you know if it doesn't manage to give its internal customers uh, what it wants in terms of an experience um, then you know there there will be uh, other companies that come in and just go over the heads of procurement to offer business users, users what they want. So things like pre-sourced deals, there are already companies that, you know, pre-sourced deals and go directly to business users um, to be able to then go and choose what they want. And so I think it is, you know, it, it, I, I, I certainly hope and I expect it will act as a catalyst, this kind of changing expectation that the, the younger generation has about 
you know, the experience they should have when they're buying something in, in the workplace. You know, clearly technology keeps developing. Um, we have some incredible technologies available at the moment. And you'll often heard that you'll, you'll often hear the terms like AI, blockchain, uh, you know, banded around. And I think applied in the right way, these are um, demonstrating huge, huge uh, benefits. I mean, if you think just something like, you know, a, just as an example, AI, um, you know, there are there are certain systems that can interact with business users, um, you know, through through AI to help them to serve their procurement needs, and you know, deployed in the right way, that saves huge um, time and 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 brings great efficiencies. And you know, that's something that wasn't really fully developed, uh, you know, a decade ago or so. You know, the timeline you mentioned there. But I also think when we have this discussion, we shouldn't get too carried away about the technology itself. Um, and the reason I say that is because actually a lot of the technology which can make a huge difference today was around 20, even 25 years ago. Um, you know, uh, if you if you think about uh, some of the, the key challenges that, that the procurement function has, um, one of the biggest challenges that we see that the procurement function has, especially in global organizations, is that they're often having to reinvent the wheel um, you know, you think about it, you have uh, different business units or different geographies. Um, often they're sourcing similar things. And if they're not, uh, if they're not finding a way to capture the knowledge of what they're doing, um, they often end up duplicating on a huge scale. Um, and what that takes is, a, is, is an approach to capture and curate knowledge and information, which does need technology, but it doesn't need complicated technology yeah this this technology kind of you know your uh sort of online collaboration sharing uh portals have been around for a long time um, at least 20 years um and so i think whilst technology is developing at pace i think we need to divorce that from uh you know that's not the bottleneck as to why procurement has not yet fully exploited um digital and, and technology you know the, the the bottleneck is more around um, companies' abilities to marry up the available technology with the skills of their people um, and, and, and make sure they've got, you know, good fit-for-purpose processes. Um, and maybe we can talk about that in a bit more detail, but that that's where I would sort of focus a little bit more, um, you know, the discussion rather than the, the actual uh, development of technology. We did a study uh, of, of, of uh, many uh, sort of procurement leaders and, and CPOs uh, a few years ago. Um, and one of the things that we found in that study was that um, about 50% of procurement leaders admitted to having bought technology just on the basis of a fear of missing out, just kind of FOMO syndrome, um, without any kind of real understanding of the benefits that that technology was going to bring. And that was really quite a, a shocking and revealing finding, we thought, because, you know, technology is not cheap. Um, you know, the implementation of technology is quite disruptive. Um, and if you're, if you're purchasing a system because you've got this, you know, feeling that everybody else is doing it and, you know, you need to keep up, um, then, you know, there could be some pretty costly uh, mistakes there. Um, and so it is really important to make sure that uh, when buying technology um, and when investing in technology, um, it's, it's because the benefits um, are fully understood. And in fact, you know, just to go a bit further on this, um, you know, 
my, my advice to, to companies has, has often been sort of three things, you know, when, when looking to digitalize, depending a bit where, where you are on your journey, um, but three things. Firstly, to own your data um, is, is, is number one. And I'll explain what that means in a second. Second one is to visualize that data. Um, and the third one, touching upon the point I made earlier, is around managing your knowledge. Um, and so this, you know, if you can sort of have it with that focus and that kind of sequencing, and making your technology decisions off the back of that, then that's a much better way of thinking about it rather than just kind of jumping in and, and buying um, buying a piece of technology. Um, so just just in terms of just expanding that a bit, owning your data. I mean, one of the you know most of the problems in procurement come from a, a lack of transparency on data. Um, that's one of the reasons procurement is traditionally very reactive. You know, contract renewals um, come up. Uh, you know, at the last minute, uh, you know, we've lost our leverage with the supplier, um, you know, making sure that our teams are working on the right initiatives, you know, which initiatives are actually going to deliver the most value, who is actually working on what, um, how our suppliers performing, you know, do we understand the risk and the performance of our, of our suppliers? Um, you know, unless we've got data on this, it's very difficult for procurement to get on the front foot and be strategic. Um, so one of the things that, you know, companies can do there is, is just own the data. So things like creating a, you know, a common taxonomy running through the procurement process so that you've got, um, you know, your spend with the same taxonomy as your as your suppliers with the same taxonomy, for example, as your, as your contracts and what your people are working on. Um, then if you've got that, you can invest in a tool to help you to make some of those processes a bit more efficient. Um, in terms of visualizing data, again, you know, if I was going to define the term digital procurement, I think for me, it's really putting data and insight into the hands of decision makers in the business. Um, and the best way to do that is to to give it in a way that they can digest it, understand it and make those decisions. And I think if you can visualize data in all the various, you know, there's, there's many different visualization softwares out there that you can choose from. Um, and, we, you know, we see a lot of clients using them. Um, if you can understand what data your your internal you know customers need to make those decisions and then give it to them in a digestible format that's when you're really making progress with a digital transformation um and then finally you know i won't repeat it but just managing your knowledge we talked a little bit about it um a big issue for procurement is reinvention of the wheel so having a way to curate and, and reuse knowledge is is really critical In today's world, sustainability has become such an important piece of the puzzle. Procurement can help businesses turn their ESG strategies into a reality. There's such a discussion around ESG at the moment, with firms implementing lots of sustainability targets. But in what ways can the procurement function help improve the ESG score of the company? Simon reveals all. Well, again, it's one of those areas where procurement is... Is, is ideally positioned, you know, if you think most of the, and I think in, in you know, in some industries, it's sort of 80 to 90%. If you, if we just take, let's say carbon emissions as one element of ESG, right? Um, but, you know, 80 to 90% of your, your carbon footprint could be in the supply chain. So clearly procurement has a role to play. I think the first thing to answer your question directly, the first thing procurement um, should do is to have some targets. Um, uh, and these targets need to be you know, they need to be measurable, they need to be realistic. Um, we did a piece of research a bit more recently around this, um, and we found that about 75% of organizations have targets on this, um, but that means that 25% uh, do not. 
Um, so there's definitely room there for more organizations to set targets on, you know, what is it they want to achieve in ESG um, and, and concrete, concretely, what do they want to achieve? So, you know, again, this kind of being measurable and, and realistic. Um, but just as an interesting kind of side there, uh, a, a bit of uh, the research also um, showed that about only 40% are confident of delivering against their targets. Um, and actually 33% uh, didn't see any risk of, of not delivering against targets. So I think setting the targets is one thing, but beneath that, there needs to be some conviction behind there. Um, there needs to be some more confidence in delivering those targets. Uh, so those targets need to be realistic. Um, and I think people need to feel that those targets are credible um, and motivating. And if, you know, if, if a third of of respondents to our particular survey didn't see a risk of not delivering, then um, that's a bit of a worry. Um, I think the other thing that procurement can do is to really step up and own um, this area. Uh, interestingly, only about 50% of the procurement leaders we spoke to saw ESG as being part of their remit. Um, and I can sort of understand that really, because you know this is a, this is a corporate uh, uh, sort of priority um, it's not something that's necessarily come from procurement, um, but you know there is that space there for procurement to go and grab it um, if it wants to, um, and I think it, you know, it will it it needs those forward-thinking, confident CPOs to really kind of go and grab this and and come to the business with solutions. And I think the sort of solutions that it can come with are helping a business to understand um, how the whole kind of ESG requirement fits from a commercial and cost perspective, because I think as much as we like to think that there's lots of altruism in the world and companies do this because they're just being good, whilst those companies do exist, you know, a lot of companies, you know, they're accountable to shareholders, they, they're there to make money and, and make a profit. And I think, you know, procurement can really help to show how good ESG performing businesses can be better performing also commercially. Um, and, and that probably is the biggest thing that a, that a procurement function can can do, um, you know, because it builds, it's much easier to build consensus around that, I think, in, internally. And I think, you know, procurement can help them to make that case. You know, it's not always a trade-off cost versus ESG. You know, sometimes, you know, if you, if you, if you, if you define it rather as value, you know, then an organization may be able to get into new markets, it may be able to increase revenue if it has better ESG credentials. Um, and that might mean spending a bit more with your supply base or investing more in your your suppliers to um, enable them to, you know, be, be more sort of ESG friendly, if you like. Um, but, uh, you know, procurement is, is ideally placed to help companies to understand that, that sort of trade-off and, and understand that business case. With an eye on the future, it's clear that the procurement space is an exciting but challenging place to be. Simon discusses what he believes will play a key role in the next 12 months to help push the digital conversation further and take procurement to the next level. Yeah, I think looking forwards, I think one thing that procurement needs needs to do and continue to do is is well probably do more than it has done in the past is attract the really best people um i mean you know people at the end of the day are are what makes success and it's what makes a function successful it was what makes a, a company successful and i think you know procurement has 
often, I think, um, not looked for the right skills uh, in, in, in people that it employs. I think traditionally it's looked for people with, um, you know, procurement experience, quite frankly. And whilst, you know, people with procurement experience are, um, are, are of course, valuable and, and required, I think we also need people who um, have leadership uh, potential, uh, people who uh, maybe think a bit more outside the box and not so process driven. Um, a lot of what procurement has done in, in previous years has been kind of process driven. And if you're just limiting your search of people to uh, those that have had procurement experience, you're inevitably going to end up with a lot of people who are process driven. So I think expand, being a bit bolder, uh, recruiting people from different backgrounds, kind of different skill sets. Um, I think as well, the if procurement can step up and own the ESG space, I think that will also help with the younger generation seeing procurement as a place to really make a difference in the world. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe a career path that they had not considered, you know, before. Uh, so I think, you know, that's, that, that, that's one thing that I think will be key to the success going forward. Um, I think the other thing, just kind of going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, um, you know, procurement really needs to try and capitalize on this new focus um, that it that has been gifted um, by these macro events you know from the c-suite um, making sure that they're seizing the opportunity to you know get on the top table um, be seen as peers um, by by you know by by the business um, in helping them to address some of these key challenges and then of course you know with technology I think that was you know the main thrust of your question um, that will continue to develop um, uh, and you know which, which is fantastic. But, but as I've said before, I think that's not the bottleneck. I think procurement needs to really uh, take care to understand and own its data um, and and curate its knowledge. And I think that's how it will make um, the biggest difference in the next, you know, the next period. Thank you for listening to this week's CPO Strategy Podcast. I hope you've enjoyed the episode as much as I have. If you have, please feel free to like, comment, subscribe and share because it really, really helps us out. I've been Sean Galea-Parch and I'll see you when you're older. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to the CPO Strategy Podcast brought to you by CPO Strategy Magazine and B2E Media Limited. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to like, subscribe and review and don't forget to check out our podcast archive at www.cpostrategypodcast.com. <laughs>